What's happening, everybody? On today's show, our SEC Week 4 winners and losers as Alabama shuts down Lane Kiffin. Uh, LSU survives a scare from Arkansas and defense optional for South Carolina, Mississippi State. Locked on SEC starts right about now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helping you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Go post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network covering your team Every day. All right, we got plenty to get into here, as we always do. We uh, start every Monday with our winners of the weekend because, uh, let's be real, there were a lot of teams that were getting wins. So let's dive into it. Let's get to your winners of the weekend. Winner. And now, your winners of the weekend. Real winners win. And we start with the Alabama defense. Welcome back, Alabama. After two weeks of hearing, what's wrong with Alabama? Is the Saban dynasty dead? Everybody picking Ole Miss to pull off the upset this past week. But Kevin Steele and the Alabama defense, they responded, shutting down Lane Kiffin's offense, holding the Rebels to just 301 total yards on the day. Ole Miss was just 3 for 14 on third downs in the game. I thought that was the, the stat of the day. The fact that they did not allow Ole Miss to keep drives going. Uh, Jackson Dart finished with 244 yards, no passing touchdowns, and a big interception. Stupid pass. Ole Miss, they ran the ball 29 times for just 56 net yards. Quinshawn Judkins bottled up. He has not been able to get going much this year. 13 carries for 56 yards on the day. And the Bama offense, well, they did just enough to get the 24-10 win in Tuscaloosa. But Alabama's deep, five sacks on the day. Dallas Turner really coming into his own uh, with two sacks on the day, three and a half tackles for a loss. So Turner now on the season up to four and a half sacks. He is on his way to having that monster year like Will Anderson uh, has done. And and Dallas Turner showed it that freshman year. Numbers kind of came down a little bit last year, but uh, he's in for a monster year, sack total-wise. And uh, Bama also got sacks from Chris Braswell, Tim Smith, uh, Terry and Arnold had that big interception. He led the team with eight tackles on the day. And now Bama knows what their strengths are. Use Jalen Milrow just right. Design runs. Offense, uh, got some good running backs back there. But the offense was never going to lead the day for this Alabama team. It has to be the defense. And now their defense is going. And now Bama gets to go to Starkville to take on 2-2 two and two Mississippi State, who put up a bunch of yards against South Carolina, but they don't have an identity yet. They don't know if they're a run team, a pass team, what they are. So expect Bama's defense to go into Starkville and uh, shut them down. And if they do, Bama's going to keep this thing rolling. And all the questions of what's wrong with Bama will go by the wayside, and we'll be talking about Alabama going to win the West again. Could be trending that direction. One team that may have a say 
and Alabama, or who wins the West? LSU and Jaden Daniels, our next winner of the weekend, already one of the best quarterbacks in the country, let alone the SEC. Jaden Daniels was on a lot of preseason watch lists, and he is living up to the hype. This week in their win against Arkansas, Jaden Daniels 20 for 29 for 320 yards passing, four touchdowns, an INT, and also 36 rushing yards as well. The story here was he was not very good on the first couple drives of the game. He was off target. He was not throwing good balls. He was out of sync. And then they got going. And Daniels led LSU to 31 points in the final 31 minutes of the game, connecting with Malik Neighbors for 130 yards and two touchdowns and Brian Thomas for 133 yards and two touchdowns. Jaden Daniels leads the SEC in total passing yards now. He leads the SEC in passing touchdowns. And he's 16th in rushing yards in the entire conference. LSU now leads the entire SEC in total offensive yards, averaging 530 a game. And Jaden Daniels is fifth in all of college football in passing yards so far. This offense is flying high for LSU. They will face a tough test this week, heading over to Oxford to face the Ole Miss Rebels. The big question this week, and we'll get to it later in the week, can LSU's defense live up to uh, what they need to be? They gave up a lot of yards and scoring to K.J. Jefferson in Arkansas this past year. Um, set up to be quite a good one in Tuscaloosa later this year. If Alabama's defense is their strength and LSU's offense is their strength, ooh, it's going to be a good one down the road. But, of course, both those teams need to keep winning to uh, make that one live up to the hype. Uh, next up, our winner of the weekend, Brock Bowers. After a slow start to the season, Brock Bowers erupted on Saturday in Georgia's 49-21 win over UAB. Bowers had nine catches for 121 yards with two touchdowns to lead the team. He connected with Carson Beck throughout the game. And with an offense that had not seen Lad Conkey play all year, um, some injuries in the backfield, it was good to see Brock Bowers have his first monster game of 2023. He found the end zone for the first time this season on the receiving end. Plenty of questions still linger with, you know, how good is this Georgia team Really, this year, we will see if Auburn gives them a challenge this week over on the Plains. Uh, this will be Georgia's first game outside of Athens this season. Just been convenient that they've been able to stay at home. But uh, also, congrats go out to Kirby Smart. He coached his 100th game and achieved the highest win percentage through 100 games of any SEC coach with 85 wins. With the 85th win in 100 games, Kirby Smart's winning percentage through 100 games is better than that of Bear Bryant. Better than that of Steve Spurrier, and better than, you guessed it, Nick Saban. Hmm. Those conversations continue, but what a uh, what a very nice job and start to his coaching career Kirby Smart has had. Can he make it a three-peat? That is still to come at the end of this season. All right, next up in our winners of the weekend, Maxwell Hairston. If you didn't know, now you know the Kentucky cornerback uh, had a pair of pick sixes in Kentucky's 45-28 win over Vanderbilt in Nashville. He closed out Kentucky scoring with a 54-yard interception return for his second pick six of the game with just over four minutes remaining in the game. He's the first player in Kentucky history to return two picks for touchdowns in a game, and he tied the SEC record as well. Running back Ray Davis talking after the game said, did you see what Max did today? Crazy thing is, me and Max talked about that all this week. This game meant so much to him. He made a statement today. Look at that man. He had a good day. 
Now, Harrison, after the game, said that loss to Vanderbilt last year still kind of haunted him. He said, I slept on that many nights. That one hurt. And I just knew this year coming into Vandy that I wasn't going to let that happen again. And I feel like I did that. When I'm out there with my brothers, I feel like I'm on top of the world. Maxwell Harrison, shout out to you. Two pick sixes. Incredible day for him. Next up on our winners of the weekend, Missouri's offense. Look, I don't know how many of you watched this game, but it was a damn good one. As 4-0 Mizzou beat Memphis 34-27 in St. Louis, handing Memphis their first loss of the season. Eli Drinkwitz's crew puts up uh, 542 yards of total offense, despite being 0-8 on third downs. That's the weird stat of the week. Brady Cook, remember he got banged up late in that win against Kansas State last week. He looked healthy as could be in this one as he went 18 for 25 for 341 yards and two touchdowns. His connection with Luther Burden, uh, his sophomore receiver, just continues to get better and better. Burden had a career-high 10 catches for 177 yards in front of a lot of family and friends in that St. Louis area. Uh, Theo East caught a touchdown. Marquise Johnson caught a touchdown. And how about the run game? Cody Schrader with a monster day. 14 carries, 123 yards and a score. Nathaniel Pete also at 65 yards and a score. Cody Schrader, now the SEC's leading rusher through the first four weeks of the season. A 403 yards on the ground. He passed up Woody Marks at Mississippi State. Uh, pretty impressive there. Luther Burden saying after the game, said Brady Cook was on point tonight. All the work we did on the screen paid off. Cody Schrader saying that kid is the toughest kid I've ever met. I think he keeps showing it week in and week out. And Mizzou improves to 7-0 at the Dome at America Center since starting play there in 2002. Missouri had not won four straight games to open a season since 2013 when they opened the season with seven straight wins en route to winning the SEC East. Next up, Mizzou, they play at Vandy on Saturday to open SEC play. Good chance they are 5-0 when LSU comes to town in two weeks. Our next winner of the weekend, how about Spencer Rattler? Against Mississippi State, goes 18 for 20, 288 yards, three touchdowns to lead South Carolina to a 37-30 win over Mississippi State Saturday night. His favorite target, target Xavier Le- uh, Leggett, goes, uh, catches five passes for 189 yards, including touchdowns of 76 and 75 yards. Rattler has thrown 33 incomplete passes in four games this season, and 20 of them came against Georgia a week ago. Spencer Rattler crediting his new OC, Dole Loggins, for his accuracy. He said the offense, the scheme we have, it's just that simple. Rattler was a perfect 14 for 14 at the end of the third quarter. His first incompletion came at the start of the fourth quarter. And he has an impressive 74% completion percentage on the year. That is second in the SEC behind Graham Mertz at Florida. But Rattler has thrown 20 more passes than Mertz. Gamecocks are at number 23, Tennessee. This coming Saturday night. Speaking of Tennessee, how about the Vol offense? Have them as our next winner of the weekend. Tennessee seeming to get their offense back on track this week in a route of UTSA, beating them 45-14. to Joe Milton threw for 200 yards and two touchdowns while also recording 89 rush yards and a score and an 81-yard run mixed in there. In fact, the 81-yard scoring burst, Came on the first play of the game. It was the longest scoring run by a quarterback in Tennessee history. Good to see Joe Milton get his confidence back. Uh, Running back-wise, Dylan Sampson, 139 rushing yards and two scores. Jabari Small, he had 61 yards and a score. And Josh Heupel's offense bounced back from that loss in the swamp. They they got back home to Neyland. 
They put up over 500 yards of total offense. The Vols generated just 54 yards and no points in the third quarter, so they responded in the fourth quarter with two more scores. Uh, Joe Milton said, look, we avoided a third quarter low. Starts with not being complacent. As an offense, we got to finish. Now, Vols starting center Cooper Mays missed his fourth straight game after having a medical procedure during training camp. Still no word on when he will get back. It seems like he's getting close. And you got to think when he does get back in there, that's going to help that tempo, that offense, even more confidence is what we saw from Tennessee this week. That's what they were lacking in that loss at Florida a week ago. Next up in our winners of the weekend, how about the Florida defense? While their offense did just enough to put up over 400 yards of offense in a 22-7 win over Charlotte, it was the Gator defense that played really well. Austin Armstrong's bunch, they're playing lights out, man. They held Charlotte to just 211 yards of offense, racked up four sacks. Scooby Williams led the team with seven tackles, held Charlotte to three of 13 on third downs. And this is a Gator team that after that week one loss at Utah, they're building confidence, man. This is a dangerous crew. They go to Kentucky this week. This is going to be a big test of good on good. Kentucky and Devin Leary in that offense against Florida's much improved defense. Going to be a heck of a game this weekend, but congrats to the Florida defense. They are just so improved. Can't say enough about them. They look like a different unit from the last couple years. Another winner of the weekend, but the Aggie defense. To hold a Hugh Freeze offense in check is quite impressive, but the Texas A&M Aggies held Auburn on Saturday to just 200 yards of total offense, only 56 passing yards on the day. Auburn was 3 for 15 on third downs. They completed just 9 of 23 passes. And on a day where A&M's starting quarterback went down with an injury at the first at the end of the first half, it was the Auburn offense that continued to look inept. The Aggie defense for seven sacks, two from Edger and Cooper, and DJ Durkin's bunch has improved a ton since that week two loss at Miami. Remember, they gave up those 48 points to the Hurricanes. Outside of that, they've allowed 10 points, 3 points, 10 points. And there are three other games. Huge game this weekend in Jerry's World in Dallas versus an ailing Arkansas team. Arkansas on a two-game slide. We'll get to more on the Aggie quarterback situation a little later. And another winner of the weekend, how about Tulu Griffin at Mississippi State? Yeah, they lost to South Carolina. But Tulu Griffin needed less than 40 minutes to break the Mississippi State single-game record for the most receiving yards in a game. Against South Carolina, he had his biggest game to date. Seven catches, 256 yards, and a touchdown. He also had a nine-yard carry. His 245 receiving yards surpassed Jamian Lewis's mark of 220 set back in 2013. Offensive coordinator Kevin Barbe, he's been stressing all offseason that they wanted to get the hands in the ball, the ball in the hands of their playmakers. And Tulu Griffin is one of their biggest playmakers. And through four games, he's caught 20 passes for 388 yards and three touchdowns. He's already halfway to his mark of 40 catches in 13 games last season on pace to uh, surpass that yardage total of uh, 502 as well. So Tulu Griffin, incredible weapon, and uh, see what kind of numbers he is able to keep putting up. And there you have it. That's the latest. uh, That's our winners of the weekend. When we return here, we will get into our, uh, well, who disappointed us. We don't like to call them losers, but who disappointed us. We will get to that in uh, just a sec right here on Locked on SEC. First, I want to remind you guys, this episode is presented to you by our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. Look, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. 
They will help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You just go to their website, you add your job posting, you add the purple hashtag hiring frame that lets people know you're hiring. And they offer simple tools like screening questions, making it easier for you to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helping you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Go post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Going along here, Locked On SEC, and I want to remind you guys, of course, college football season. We're into the thick of it. Every Friday, our college football kickoff live each Friday, going live from 11 a.m. to 1 Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel. Encourage you guys to check it out on our channel or any of the other Locked On channels. Every Friday, getting you set for all the big matchups of the weekend. All right, let's dive back into it. We did our winners of the weekend. Now it's time for our... Oh, we don't like to say losers, but who disappointed us in week four as we dive back into it? And we had some other, we had a lot of folks disappoint us this week. First up on our disappointment list, it's Lane Kiffin, folks. Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss offense. After all that trash talk throughout last week, Lane Kiffin's team did not back it up in Tuscaloosa. They lose to Alabama 24 to 10. They held a 7-6 halftime lead, but that offense could only muster three points in the final three quarters of the game. Alabama's defense dominating much of the day. Five sacks on the day for Alabama's defense. Paul Feinbaum was on Matt Berry's show on Sunday, basically saying, look, the win is just another ass-kicking of Lane Kiffin. He said, is that a big deal? It's kind of an annual event for Nick Saban now. Feinbaum noted every shot Kiffin took last week leading up to the game failed. And Kiffin even suggested this could be the last time he faces Nick Saban. What with, you know, the SEC expanding, maybe Ole Miss and Bama aren't playing every year. Uh, Feinbaum said, we need to accept that is just who Lane Kiffin is. And I don't understand why the media falls for Lane's antics every week as if there's going to be a payoff. Nick Saban can coach until he's 100 years old and he's still going to beat Lane Kiffin every single time. I said it last week, man. Like, if not now, Lane, when? I, there is no win. Ole Miss will never beat Nick Saban in Alabama while Lane Kiffin's the head coach. I hate to put it that so matter-of-fact, but, like, he's had the weapons. He's had the arsenal. Jackson Dart, Quinshawn Judkins, a good old line, an improving defense, Pete Golding as your D.C. Like, the stage was set. Alabama was struggling with their quarterback. And it's not like Jalen Milrow set the world on fire. He just did enough. But he talked trash about Kevin Steele and who's really running that defense. Didn't look like look like T-Rob was calling the defense. I don't even know if Kevin Steele's the D.C. Why poke a bear lane? You should have went in humble approach. Should have played it. Oh, man, this is Alabama we're playing. This is one of the toughest teams we're, we'll ever face. We'll be lucky if we're even in this one. Should have downplayed it. Instead, Bama came out, fired up. Inspired. Would it have made a difference? I don't know. But I do know this. Lane winless in his time in Oxford against Nick Saban in Alabama. And it continues on. We'll see. See down the road if they end up playing again. Um, not this year, but maybe another year. 
Good luck playing. All right, another uh, disappointment of the weekend. I threw Arkansas's defense in here. Look, just a week after giving up some big plays late to BYU and their home loss to the Cougars, they went into Baton Rouge and gave up over 500 yards of offense to LSU. The Tigers of Baton Rouge were 6-for-10 on third downs. LSU only punted twice, and those came on the first three possessions of the game. After that, LSU scored points on their next six possessions. In fact, LSU scored a touchdown on every possession of the second half until their final drive when they scored the go-ahead field goal. And as good as K.J. Jefferson was throughout the game, if the Arkansas defense just could have gotten a stop or two, Razorbacks might have a chance of pulling off the upset. Arkansas had another pe penalty-plagued week, 11 penalties. This after, they had 14 penalties last week against BYU. Now, a bunch of these this week were on the offensive side with false starts. They got to clean up penalties on both sides of the ball. But to me, the biggest question came late in this game with about a minute to go. LSU gets the ball down to the three-yard line of Arkansas, and Arkansas tackles them with no timeouts left. It all but set up LSU to eat clock, and either they were going to punch it in for the go-ahead touchdown or just wait and kick the game-winning field goal like they did. Question is, should Arkansas have let them score? Look, I know people never, you know, the, the mantra is always, you never let somebody score. You never just lay down and let your opponent score. The way that K.J. Jefferson and the Arkansas offense were playing, I think you let LSU score the touchdown there and at least get a chance to get the ball back with a minute to go to give yourself a chance to try to answer. Instead, all you got was a heave towards the end zone in the final seconds of the game, and uh, LSU intercepted it. It just, to me, yes, is there a chance maybe LSU botches the snap on the field goal and maybe they don't get it? Sure, but in a tie game where your offense has been unstoppable, their offense has been unstoppable, it just felt like the right call there would have been let them score, give K.J. Jefferson the ball back with a minute to go, let him try to answer and send this thing to overtime, Instead, LSU loses, or uh, Arkansas loses, late field goal by LSU. Another disappointment of the weekend, Peyton Thorne and the Auburn offensive line. My primary gripe here was going to be on the Auburn offensive line. I thought they got manhandled by that Texas A&M defensive front, and they did give up seven sacks, and they did not give their quarterback much time to throw. But my goodness, Peyton Thorne, it's been super disappointing this season. I mean, we talk about a kid who came in from Michigan State that played in a ton of games, put up some really good passing stats. Uh, what's he made, like two or three good throws all year? I, I hate to harp on the kid, but in a Hugh Freeze offense with Phillip Montgomery helping call plays, I just thought this kid's going to be awesome. Even when he had time to throw on Saturday, Thorne looked hesitant. Now, look, maybe that was because Hugh Freeze was drilling into his mind all week. You need to protect the football. Well, mission accomplished. Peyton Thorne didn't turn the ball over, but he also didn't take any chances. He finished 6 of 12 for just 44 yards passing. And Auburn's offense seemed to show some signs of life. They, they turned to Robbie Ashford. He was able to move the chains a little bit. He had 25 rushing yards on eight carries, and Holden Garner got in there. Got a little playing time, was two of seven for eight yards. Peyton Thorne now through the first four weeks ranks dead last in the SEC in passing yards behind Jalen Milrow. Jalen Milrow got benched for a week. He's behind him. K.J. Jefferson, Joe Milton, Graham Mertz, Connor Wegman, Will Rogers, Devin Lee. I mean, the list goes on and on. Peyton Thorne's at the bottom. Did not expect that through Auburn. They've got some major issues offensively that they need to fix. 
And George is coming to town this weekend. It, it may get worse before it gets better, Auburn fans. Another, I won't even call it disappointed, depressed to the weekend. I'm just putting Connor Wegman in here because it's it's just super disappointing news on uh, him having to leave the game this week. Connor Wegman bit off to a phenomenal start for the Aggies, limped off the field with what appeared to be an ankle injury just before halftime. Uh, Jimbo Fisher said after the game, Connor Wegman's x-rays on his lower leg were negative, but still didn't know the full extent of the quarterback's injury. Max Johnson. Got to give him some roses. The former LSU quarterback came in, took over. The offense really got going. Max was 7 of 11, 123 yards, two touchdowns. Also had some rushing yards as well. And at least if you're an Aggie, you got to feel good. If Connor Wegman can't go this week against Arkansas, Max Johnson still gives you a great chance to win as well. So um, disappointment not in what Connor Wegman did on the field, although they didn't do much offensively in that first half when he was in there. More disappointment in the timing of the injury here, and uh, how long will he be? Will he be out? We will see. But uh, looks like AM is in good hands with Max Johnson taking over. Another depress of the weekend: AJ Swan at Vanderbilt. Clark Lee saying after the game, "You look at 21 points off turnovers, two pick sixes. That is never a winning formula." AJ Swan came into Saturday with over a thousand passing yards this season to lead the SEC. He was fourth among FBS quarterbacks in both categories, but he was 16 of 40 against Kentucky on Saturday, 189 passing yards and three interceptions. That just can't happen. Clark Lee saying uh, A.J. Swan is dealing with a bruised elbow. He said, quote, we got to monitor A.J.'s health and availability as we move forward, but we certainly need more from that position. You know, one-time starter Ken Seals, he came on in relief through a touchdown late, so... If Swan is still banged up this week, maybe Vandy turns to Ken Seals in their game against Missouri. So something worth tracking later this week. Another, our, our last disappointment of the weekend. I'm putting Mississippi State's defense in here. You hate to kick Mississippi State while they're down, coming off back-to-back SEC losses. But on a day where their offense finally got going a little bit, Will Rogers doing what he does best, throwing the football a ton. It was Mississippi State's defense has struggled to get stops when they needed it. 432 yards of offense to the Gamecocks. But to me, the bigger issue was South Carolina, who was so inept at running the football all season. Bulldogs allowed them to rush for 144 yards on the ground. They let Xavier Leggett get loose for almost 200 yards. They did sack Spencer Rattler four times. But if your offense gets you 30 points, typically you'd think that would be enough to win a game. And now Mississippi State ranks second to last in yards allowed per game in the SEC, giving up 400 yards per game to their opponents. That's worse than Vanderbilt. Mississippi State got some big issues and might not get better anytime soon facing uh, facing Alabama. All right, thank you guys so much for making a Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, we'll give you a little bit of the latest rankings coming out following the weekend that was in the SEC. But first, this episode brought to you by our friends over at Athletic Brewing. Look, now for your Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Georgia tight end Brock Bowers, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. Brock Bowers on Saturday, nine catches, 121 yards, and two touchdowns. And Georgia's win over UAB Saturday, 
He's award-winning, much like Athletic Brewing Company, who is also award-winning. They beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. They brew over 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, Golden, Sours, and more. They're fit for all times, so you could take them anywhere, anytime, and enjoy them, whatever your activities are. If you're watching a big game, watching your kid's game, tackling work, working out, whatever it is, no hangovers ever. You can find Athletic in store, online, and at bars around the country. Go check them out right now at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use our promo code Locked On. Get 15% off your first order online. That is code Locked On at checkout. 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. <laughs> Our final segment here on Locked On SEC, and did want to get to a little bit of um, some of the stuff we weren't able to get to yet in the show. Uh, the SEC not been the most impressive conference so far through the first couple of weeks of the season, but in the latest ESPN power rankings after week four, six teams from the SEC find themselves among the top teams in ESPN's power rankings. Uh, Ten teams from the SEC faced each other to start this past week. So here is where the SEC stands according to ESPN's power rankings. They got Georgia number one at 4-0. That's it for the top ten. We got to go all the way down to uh, number 11. Alabama comes in there at 3-1. LSU not far behind them at 13. They are also 3-1. Tennessee down at 20 at 3-1. Ole Miss 21st. They're 3-1, and one. and Florida, one spot behind Ole Miss at number 22. Uh, quick note this week, SEC Nation is headed to Lexington for the SEC East showdown between Florida and Kentucky. It'll be fun to see those guys and gals on the set and doing their thing. Kentucky-Florida become one of the conference's most entertaining series. Remember, Florida had a streak of 31 wins from 1987 to 2017, and Kentucky snapped that streak in 2018 with an upset win in Gainesville. Since that was snapped, well, they've kind of gone back and forth on wins. Kentucky has taken the last two meetings, 20-13 in Lexington and 26-16 in Gainesville. Last time the Wildcats won three in a row ago over the Gators, 1949-1951. to Mark Stoops' crew, they are 4-0, looking to get to 5-0. See if they can get there. Let's take a look at the uh, latest rankings that came out over the weekend. Your AP poll... This is pretty similar to what ESPN had going in, in their polling rankings. But they got Georgia at number one. Uh, and, again, you got to go outside of the top ten to find the next SEC school. Unless you count Texas at three, but they're not in the SEC just yet. Alabama number 12. Again, this is the AP poll. Alabama 12, LSU 13, Ole Miss 20, Tennessee 21, Florida 22. Uh, coaches poll, pretty similar. They've got Georgia 1, Bama 11, LSU 12. Tennessee 19, Ole Miss 20, and uh, Florida 23. Now, there were some other in the others receiving votes category. We had Kentucky just outside of it. So, see if Kentucky can get a big win this week over Florida. The only thing with that is that'll probably knock Florida out of the top 25. So, we'll have uh, that fallout. But uh, one more note here before we get out of here. Uh, ESPN's experts are updating their projected college football playoff fields 
each week following the games that happen, and all of them updated their top four teams. Every one of them still has Georgia in. Majority of them have Georgia as the one seed. A few of them had Georgia as either the three or the two, uh, like that. But overwhelmingly, the teams that they have in, Georgia, Florida State, Ohio State, Texas, and then a good bit of them have Washington in that group as well. So you're probably looking at SEC champ Florida getting in, uh, Big Ten champ Michigan getting in, ACC, what a win it was for Florida State this past week. Florida State, if they run the table, they win the ACC, they're in. Uh, If Washington runs the table in the Pac-12, beats USC, they're probably in. What happens if Texas also runs the table in the Big 12 and they're undefeated? This could get sticky. Look, this thing always kind of works itself out, right? Somebody's going to take a loss somewhere along the way, but kind of interesting look at the picture. And overwhelmingly, nobody thinks two SEC teams could get in. What about the West champ? Alabama? LSU? A&M? If any of those teams runs the table, you got to think they deserve a spot in the playoff, but we will see how it plays out. Thank you guys so much for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers. Come on back tomorrow. We'll update you with all the latest news going on around the conference. Uh, All the stuff coming from the podiums as all the coaches uh, talk about their teams heading into SEC Week 5. That's going to do it for us here on Locked on SEC. I'm Chris Gordy. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Come on back and see us right here on Locked on SEC.